they grip their palms tightly. Branches held high in the dusty Jerusalem breeze, awaiting the man on the colt. Bated breath and sweaty hands, imaginations filled with messianic hopes, both bold and uncertain. They gripped their palms tightly as if they were swords. At least that's what they imagined it would feel like to hold a sword. Most of them were peasants. They had never held one before. They were always on the underside of the men with the swords. Usually on occasions like these, the streets would be lined with soldiers, welcoming a captain or a commander or a king, riding a noble stallion, celebrating victory. This scene seemed a strange parody. The colt, the palms and all. A parody or a mockery, it was hard to tell. Maybe just a sad, desperate attempt by a group of poor Israelites to imagine something different for a change. Street theater of a sort. An almost comic, ironic performance of a Roman military liturgy. A triumphal entry. But this time for Israel's anointed. The one who would rescue Israel from her captives and restore Jerusalem and set things to rights. They held their palms tightly in expectation. Their imaginations were filled with older stories of triumphal entries and processions. Simon Maccabeus had led a revolt against the Seleucids a century and a half before to free Jerusalem from captivity and liberate Israel. They knew the story from 1 Maccabees, which told of Simon's procession into Jerusalem with praise and palm branches and with hymns and songs. Was this a new Maccabee? Would Jesus drive Rome out of the holy city? Would he reestablish the throne of David? The air of that first Palm Sunday was dense with this anticipation. I wonder if Jesus could feel the weight of so many expectations and longings as he passed through on the colt. If he could feel the pressure of so many projections of hope for salvation, of visions of deliverance, of aspirations for vengeance, of longings of social and cultural and political and religious reform. The streets of Jerusalem were paved that day by desperate people, all pinning their various hopes and dreams on this man riding the colt. They held their palms tightly, anxious and hopeful and filled with anticipation. We hold our palms more loosely. This morning, we celebrate Palm Sunday on the other side of the crucifixion. And we know that the same hands that wave the palms will exchange them at the end of the week for wood and nails. We know how the story goes. And we look upon palms now clenched in the fists of expectant onlookers, knowing in a few days' time they will be abandoned to Jerusalem's gutters and dumpsters. And we're strangely placed in this story, aren't we? The church year and Holy Week in particular 
asks us to walk through a story, the story of the last week of Jesus's earthly ministry, as if for the first time. We stand side by side, the cheering crowds, waving palms with them, chanting Hosanna, blessing the one who comes in the name of the Lord, but we do so knowing something that they do not. That in a few days, the same crowds who declare Jesus' arrival in the city in triumph will announce their decision to banish him outside its walls, to crucify him outside Jerusalem's gates. We know how this week goes. Palm Sunday leads to Good Friday. And so we hold our palms loosely because we too will lay them aside in a few days to pick up different branches, cypress, pine, cedar, thicker branches to compose the hard wood of the cross. So in a way, what we do each year, each Holy Week, is implicate ourselves in this mess. That's what the Holy Week liturgies do. They return us each year to the uncomfortable reality that we are one with Israel's and Jerusalem's crowds. We wave the palms. We betray the Lord We sentence him, we crucify him, we deny him, we mourn his burial so that we, in the end, may behold, enjoy his resurrection. There's something beautiful, I think, about the Palm Sunday liturgy and the readings from Scripture this morning because they lead us in almost the same breath to shout both Hosanna and crucify him. It's somewhat disorienting. We're forced in this liturgy to become part of the crowd in all its hopes and aspirations and contradictions and violences because the crowd is not just a random group of Jerusalem's onlookers. The crowd is the elected representative of all humanity before the Christ. They cheer, they bless, they curse, sentence, crucify, and abandon the Christ, and they do so on behalf of all of us. So when the old song asks, were you there? Our answer is yes. Yes, we were there. This morning, we hold our palms loosely. We will soon exchange them for a cross. So with all this complexity, with all these conflicting dispositions and mixed up emotions, place yourself this morning amidst the crowd in those Jerusalem streets. What do you see? Do you see the expectation on the faces of the crowd? Do you see their fear? their pain, their hope? Do you hear the jubilance of their cheers? Do you feel the anticipation in the air? Do you see Jesus? What songs are you singing as he's drawing near? Songs tell us everything. What the crowds sing, what we sing, reveal our deepest longings and hopes and beliefs. The crowds are singing a song of Hosanna and blessing. It's a triumphant song, a hymn declaring the soon coming salvation of God. 
And no doubt, many thought this salvation would come in a rather straightforward way. Drive out the oppressors, reclaim the throne, rule in equity. And there were many songs around which told that story and hope for that salvation. But that is not the song that Jesus is marching to. He's marching to a different song. Because he knows the destination of this procession. And it ends in a much different place than the crowd thinks. So while they and we all sing songs of Hosanna, Jesus has changed the soundtrack. In his mind plays a different song. It's not a triumphal hymn. It's the solemn funeral dirge of Isaiah's suffering servant. Our reading from Isaiah this morning is the fourth of Isaiah's servant songs. Hymns in the prophet's book about a mysterious prophet figure called the suffering servant, a future person who will bear Israel's burdens and save them from their sins. The song embodies Israel's hope for deliverance and salvation, a hope that runs throughout the Old Testament, but which becomes especially vivid as the people of Israel sit amidst exile and long for restoration. So Isaiah tells the story of this servant to come. In fact, he sings it as a song. Just as Israel's unfaithfulness and infidelity to God landed them in exile and bondage, so now this servant figure who embodies Israel in faithfulness to the covenant will take upon himself Israel's sins and failures and pains in order to free them. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, the chastisement that made us whole. The servant, the prophet declares, will suffer the pain of Israel's unfaithfulness and ours in our place. He will be rejected. He will be scorned. He will be despised, wounded, broken, and afflicted. But the song continues, by his wounds we are healed. And that's the refrain of the servant's song. By his wounds, we are healed. Isaiah's servant songs were well known among Israel's scriptures. It's why many of the New Testament writers, steeped as they were in the Hebrew scriptures, turned so often to Isaiah's promises and prophecies when they tried to describe who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And of course, the church from her very beginning has always taken these servant songs of the Old Testament to point to Christ, the suffering servant who saves the world by his affliction and death and resurrection. So, when the lectionary this morning pairs St. Luke's account of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem with this song of the suffering servant, it's tapping into this rich tradition of reading Christ's passion through the lens of Isaiah's suffering servant. Or to put it a bit differently, it's inviting us to watch Jesus's triumphal entry to the soundtrack of the servant's song. This morning, 
This Palm Sunday, we are invited to enter into the scene of Christ's arrival, the beginning of his holy passion, listening to the same song Jesus is listening to, to get in tune with Jesus. We are being invited to see this procession, this triumphal entry, differently, not as the crowd sees it, but as Jesus sees When the crowds look at this man arriving on the colt, they see many things. Some see a new heir to the throne. Some see an insurrectionist. Some see a reformer. Some see a criminal. Some see a new Maccabee. What do you see? What do you see in Jesus this morning as he's coming? What kind of salvation are you expecting? Is it the salvation he is, in fact, bringing this week? Or do you want something else from him? We need to ask ourselves these questions this Palm Sunday morning. Because Jesus is approaching. Holy Week is beginning. And right now, we're standing in the midst of the crowd. And from here, we can either go with the crowds or we can follow Jesus into his passion. And which option we choose will depend on which song we're singing. If the one we see riding into Jerusalem this Palm Sunday is anyone other than the suffering servant, then come Thursday and Friday and Saturday, we are likely to be quite disappointed. We might even find ourselves among the disappointed in Jerusalem who eventually put down their palms for a cross. But this morning, Jesus invites us to get attuned to him, to get in tune with him, to hear the song that he is marching to, to get ready for his passion, To see him as the suffering servant who saves us by being crushed. Jesus is inviting us to begin this Holy Week this morning by singing his servant's song. And by singing his song, we are invited to keep following Jesus once he arrives in Jerusalem. Not to leave him when the crowd disperses, but to follow him to the upper room with his disciples to follow him to the garden where he will be betrayed, to follow him before Pilate and the crowds to be condemned, to follow him to the cross, to follow him even to the tomb. That's what Holy Week is about. That's what we're beginning this morning. It's about following Jesus in the way of the cross. This morning, we are invited to sing a new song, the servant's song, From Jerusalem's gates to Christ's tomb, the whole way. We are invited to follow the Lord in the way of the cross and to keep singing that refrain of the servant's song, by his wounds we are healed. So, this morning, let us live in the joy of Palm Sunday but always with an eye toward Good Friday. 
And let us shout acclamations of praise and hope, but also with the sobriety that we will soon crucify our own Savior. Let us indeed sing Hosanna, but maybe let us sing it to the tune of a funeral dirge. Let us not forget that our king has processed into his kingdom this morning, but that his throne will be a cross. And let us hold our palms loosely so that we may indeed set them aside, but only to take up the cross with Jesus and follow him this week to Calvary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.